Welcome to the Real Estate Asset Management Podcast brought to you by Break of Day Capital. The show focuses on educating syndicators and apartment owners on how to build systems and manage their properties more efficiently to become a best-in-class operator. 100% straight talk. Let's jump in. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Asset Management Podcast. I'm your host, Gary Lipsky. This podcast is focused on educating operators, building better systems, and becoming a best-in-class operator. Be sure to join our Facebook group, Asset Management Mastery, where we have a great community of thousands of like-minded individuals sharing resources and best practices. Choosing the right insurance coverage for multifamily properties isn't that complicated, if you know who to talk to. At the Garzella Group, we're uniquely qualified to help you navigate the range of policy choices you have, and we're committed to saving you 30% in the process. We do intensive market research and have nationwide relationships, so we can find coverage other insurance brokers simply can't. We should talk. Go to quotenow.biz, and we'll start the conversation. Today on the podcast, we have Jennifer Joyce. Jennifer has over 20 years of real estate experience, is the fund manager for a $100 million fund through the Global Housing Assistance Fund, and is a GP on over 1,300 units. Welcome, Jennifer. Can you start by telling the listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you do? Thank you. Yeah, I have been in real estate actually my whole life. I just don't want to admit to my real age. So I don't tell people about what I did as a child. But yes, I put myself through college, went to, you know, college for an accounting degree, paid for college in the IT world, came out of college and realized it was a pay cut to go into accounting. So I stuck with IT for a long time. But when I did have the opportunity to try out that accounting degree, I got to do the books on high rise office buildings for CB Richard Ellis of all places. So You know, it's neat to be working with CBRE now on the multifamily side. We moved from the single family space over to small multifamily in 2007, and then uh, jumped into large multifamily about five or six years ago. And we just love it. It's very much like the corporate world. You know, a lot of those skill sets translate over very well. And so, you know, we're just having fun merging our owner operator days with our corporate America days. Nice. Well, having that uh, that account background is so critical in managing assets. So that's a huge skill set to carry over. Today we're going to talk about fund management, which is perfect, you know, for your skill set. Tell us a little bit about the fund and how you got involved. So the fund is an exclusive to multifamily only. We created it because we had a surge in the economy in the multifamily space. So in order to take advantage of the pace we were moving at, it just made sense to bring in a fund that could buy more than one asset at one time. That also helped our investor base because they were starting to get confused if I came to them about, here, I want you to invest in this deal in Houston. And a month later, here, I have a deal in Houston. You know, It was starting to collide on the closings and then it was colliding in the messaging. So now we can just offer the same returns every time We're diversifying the investors across multiple properties, multiple addresses, multiple locations, and we're providing only one K-1 statement at the end of every tax year. So it streamlines their process of getting out there with good operators. 
one of the side effects of the fund is now I even scrutinize good operators and I go after other sponsor teams to see who's doing the right thing for everybody involved. And so, you know, we offer a service in our fund also at the end of the year, since we just wrapped up last year, where if somebody has a tax problem, they need to deploy an investment quickly. We actually go vet other teams at a significant level. And we we had 16 teams we looked at in the last three weeks of the year and only two made the cut. So that was a neat experience, too, because we're really asking the questions that maybe our passive investors don't know to ask or they're just trying to make sure that they have a little more security than just a tangible asset in real estate. And so it provided a really neat experiment for us to go vet other sponsors who had closings last year. Absolutely. Absolutely. And what kind of criteria do you have for allocating your funds? So we go after legislatively friendly areas. So it's got to be friendly towards businesses and landlords. So that eliminates half the country. Then we go after size, year of construction, how the economy is growing. Is it growing from a population standpoint and businesses are moving to that area? We want to see the median household income within one to three miles of the property be stronger than our pro forma rents that we're projecting. Because as long as we own the asset, we want not just the revenue to grow, but we want the economy around it to be able to support that growth. So we have a set of criteria that goes all the way from market, all the way down to sub-market, down to the address of the property. And then we look for inefficiencies. So we want properties that have inefficiencies in their property management style, inefficiencies in their books, inefficiencies in the upkeep of the property, in the vacancy or the collections. And if we see that, we see that as an opportunity. So we want to have more than one strategy for opportunities on the property if we're going to look at buying it. Because that's really where the cash flow comes from and then the upside when you sell or cash out refi. And what were some of the biggest lessons you learned when starting this fund? Because obviously it's a whole nother beast, you know, to putting it together. I haven't done it yet, but I've heard from others. A very long process. Talk about that. Yes, it took us about 18 months to launch. And what we really had to do is go get another degree. It's not like asset management. It's not like buying a property. It's its own education. So we worked with several lawyers through that process just to understand if I go to that next level where I want to raise more than five or 10 million at a time for a hundred doors, now you're going into a higher class of the SEC regulation. You're going into more properties impacting cash flow, And we had to devise a whole new product for that strategy just to basically service the customer better. And so it's been a wild ride. But once again, corporate America came roaring back. All of those presentations we did in corporate America, putting PowerPoint slides together and corporate social initiatives, things that you wouldn't normally do if all you were going to do is run one asset, now came into an overarching plan of the next five to 10 years. And so, you know, it was an education that we were able to accomplish because of the downtime everybody saw in the pandemic. It was a perfect opportunity to see the massive growth, the massive inflation, the massive moving of dollars, but also slow enough on the side to study a whole new topic and, and be successful there. And I'm curious, what's the percentage of individual investors versus, let's say, family offices or you mentioned corporate America? I'm, I'm curious. So it's just like the uh, direct asset syndication, family offices are going to care about track record. 
So your resume really starts over when you start a fund. It doesn't matter that you've owned 13 properties. It matters how many the fund owns. So they actually reset the clock on you if you start a fund. And so if I have a bunch of track record as an asset manager, as a direct asset syndicator, I'm now starting at ground zero all over again on the fund side. And those family offices come, but they want to see 5, 10, 20 properties already performing and track record and revenue before they jump in. But the significance is the family offices no longer write a $1 to $5 million check. They're going to write a $25 to $60 million check. So that's really advantageous for somebody who plans to do this as a long-term career. Nice. And what's the, you know, the long-term goal for your fund? Are you looking to do, you know, five assets a year, 10 assets a year? What's the length of this? So the fund is open-ended. This one is the most advantageous towards our investor base. We wanted to see what was possible. And because we're re-educating investors from direct asset syndication over to a fund model, we made it as close and as similar to what they're used to. So all of the cost segregation and bonus depreciation still goes to those people. All of the returns look very similar to industry standards. The splits are very standard. There's no waterfalls. We did add a PREF to entice them because we want them to understand this is a safer investment, but there's an education gap there and we want to get you comfortable. So this one we see as a lead loss for future funds. So we just capped it at $100 million because there's some more rules that come in at that level. And we didn't want to go bigger with that. But there's no reason that there won't be a fund two, three, four. And you're starting to see some of the people moving to the fund management space that they're moving into their second, third, and fourth fund. So really, it's just to help streamline investor communications, oversight, build out employees that work for us directly. And we have a whole team of people. It's not just one group. Well, kudos to you. That's a, that's a huge undertaking. And to get you know, a $100 million fund on your first fund is, is, is tremendous. Anything else that you would tell someone that's wanting to start a fund that they should have known ahead of time? You are going to need a team of people with you. Don't do anything alone. It's a lot like the world we're already in if you're buying large multifamily. Everybody's going to have strengths. You're going to need somebody who's legalistic. You're going to need somebody who's an anticipator. You're going to need somebody who loves numbers because it's more numbers than ever. And so don't do it alone. Find people that also want to start a fund with you. And then you're going to have to put the team together the same way. You're going to have to have somebody who's really strong with relationships, somebody who's really strong with the behind the scenes. It's very similar to what we're already used to in this industry, but you're signing up for a lot of hours only choose to do a fund if you want to build a corporation or go institutional yourself. Great advice. Thank you. This is a question we ask all of our guests. What is your asset management superpower? Well, I would say one is my history. You know, I was an owner operator before I was ever an asset manager. So that there's a lot of gut checks there that come into play when somebody's telling me, oh, well, occupancy's down. Well, why? Oh, you know, it's just the normal peak season, non-peak season. No, there's something else going on here. So that gut check still still really helps out. But the other one, as we scale, is KPIs. KPIs are everything, measuring everything. If you've ever gone on a, a health journey, if you're not measuring that health journey, it's not going to go the way you intended. Same thing over here. We measure everything. And so I would say that's the superpower that we're really bringing in to be able to scale up. 
Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Jennifer, for coming on the show and adding a ton of value on fund management. You know, it's amazing that 18 months to create a fund, but obviously if you have the right team and people behind you, you can really create, I mean, there's a massive opportunity for the, you know, to create a hundred million dollar fund. So again, kudos to you. Please tell the listeners where they can find out more about you and your fund. Sure. Absolutely. Just go to our website. It's jjcapitalinvestments.com. And my cell phone number is on the website. So just text, message, reach out. We'd love to talk to you. All right. Thanks again, Jennifer. This is Gary Lipsky signing off. I'll be back next week with another informative episode on the Real Estate Asset Management Podcast. Thank you. To all of our listeners, thanks for joining us. And if you like this episode, please head over to iTunes or Stitcher and like, subscribe, and review this podcast as it will help us grow our audience and reach more people. And if you'd like to learn more about what we do at Break of Day Capital, head over to our website, breakofdaycapital.com and sign up for our newsletter and or fill out our investor application. We'll talk to you next week.